Well, when we come into the, the church today, we notice something very startling, I would say. We look up into the sanctuary, and it looks awfully bare. And of course, we've got all these coverings as well. All the statues and the two crosses are covered. But as far as the bareness is concerned, it looks almost as if a thief has come in here and has stolen what would normally be in the sanctuary. Almost looks like something violent and disruptive has taken place. And this brings us to a passage in one of the Gospels where Jesus is approached by the Pharisees. Now this is a long ways away from his passion. He's approached by the Pharisees and they say to him, Master, explain the matter to us. We don't get it. The disciples of the Pharisees fast and John the Baptist's his disciples, they fast. But your disciples, they don't fast. What's up with that? And he says to them, and the effects and the reality of what he says echo down through the ages and they reach us to this very day, 2,000 years later. And his words really are embedded and encased in our liturgy itself. He says, how can the bridegroom how can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away, and then they will fast. So today is Good Friday, the day when our Lord was taken away. He was taken away through the violent acts of those who hated him, of those who thought he was a troublemaker, that he was in the way, that he was going to cause problems, that it was expedient for everybody, that he just be done away with. So liturgically, he's also taken away. We remove Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament from the tabernacle. And he's no longer present in our sanctuary. All the images and statues are muted, and the altar cloth is gone, the candles are gone, Anything that gives light or splendor or glory or that reminds us of the presence of Jesus is taken away. In fact, we might have noticed as we come in, we, uh, you know, as Catholics, we go on, on uh, automatic pilot oftentimes. We reach for the holy water font. And you say, who took it away? What's going on with the holy water? Someone came and took the holy water away. Okay? And you probably also wanted to come and you, before you sat in the pew, you wanted to kneel. But you're like, wait a second. Well, it's a sacrament. It's not in the altar anymore. Should I be kneeling? You probably did anyways, just because it's out of habit. But there's this, it's very awkward. And it's really supposed to give us that feeling that Jesus has been taken away from us. But has he really been taken away? Is Jesus, in his passion, really this passive victim who is helpless who was just simply the target of men who overpowered him, who overcame him and killed him. Is that really what happened? Well, from their perspective, from the perspective of his murderers, that is what happened. But that's not the deeper truth. 
The deeper truth is that Jesus freely, of his own freedom, of his own volition, gave himself up to death. He did it for our sake. And the cross then, which from the perspective of those who killed the Lord, was the instrument by which they overcame him and came against him and inflicted violence upon him. It becomes now the instrument of his free love, that Jesus, in utter freedom, came to die for us. And he says in the Gospel of John, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down with my own accord. No one takes my life from me. I lay it down with my own accord. You see, the ways of men are often violent. When someone thwarts our will, when someone opposes us and comes against us, we get back at them. And whether they like it or not, we force something upon them. Now, we might not use our fists, we might not use knives or guns, but maybe we do some kind of manipulative thing, maybe something behind their back, maybe... Maybe we use coercion in the sense that we put kind of an emotional pressure on people. We guilt trip them, whatever it might be. We fail to respect their freedom. And we fail to to truly love them. That's not the way of Jesus. Jesus respects our freedom. He never uses coercion. He always comes to us and invites us to faith, invites us to love. You know, something very interesting if you notice in the Gospels, and it came up in today's Gospels in the Gospel of John, when Jesus' interviewers, the people that you know were judging him, like Pilate, for example, they would ask him, Are you the Messiah? And he has a response that I think is a little startling sometimes. It almost seems like he's kind of not really owning up to the fact that he's the Messiah. Like he's kind of distancing himself from this idea that he's the Messiah. He says, you say that I am. Doesn't it seem like almost he's he's kind of like, that's a cop-out or something. That's not really what's going on. What's really going on is this. Jesus is answering these people according to their own assumptions, according to their own framework of what they thought the Messiah was. You see, they thought the Messiah was going to operate just like they operate, with force, with coercion. They thought he was going to be a great king who was going to come and get an army behind him and force the Romans out of the Holy Land. And then, through violence and through warfare, take over the whole world and make Israel victorious. That's what they thought the Messiah was going to do. And so when they ask him, are you the Messiah? And he distances himself from that claim, he's really distancing himself from the idea of the Messiah as someone who's going to come and use force. He says, for this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. And those who are of the truth hear my voice. So when Jesus comes, he comes with a word of grace, not a fist or a sword, 
or a gun, but a word of grace that has the power to transform us from the inside out, to give us faith and to give us love, so that of our own freedom we become his disciples, that he is able to conquer our hearts not through violence, but through peace and through grace and through faith and through charity. Brothers and sisters, this is the way of Jesus. This is the way he sets out for us. After this homily in just a minute or two, we're going to engage in what are called the solemn intercessions. These are very powerful prayers where we take the love and the truth and the freedom that Jesus came to bring us and we extend these into the world through our intercession. We're going to pray for all manner of persons, all classes of people. We're going to pray for Christians who are not Catholic. We're going to pray for the Jewish people. We're going to pray for people who don't believe in Christ but might believe in God. We're going to pray for people who don't believe in God. We're going to pray for leaders of nations and for those who are in trial and tribulation and distress. And that is the way of Jesus. We ask him to transform the hearts of people by grace from the inside out, not coercively from the outside in, imposing our will and our truth or what have you upon others, but asking God to let his truth be made known and manifest to their hearts so that men would be changed from their hearts and that the world would be a place that is ready for the coming of the true king. So now, my brothers and sisters, in the spirit of truth and spirit of freedom and love, I'm going to ask the Greg to come to the pulpit to do our prayers and we can all stand and we'll pray together.